Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. It has. And I'm really excited it for it to because this. the people have been demanding some of the legends. There's a few directors that we've highlighted. <laughs> I'm one of these people. Yes. That uh, this was your urging. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. And we talk a lot about John Carpenter. Probably our favorite director. And we already know we're going to eventually cover every John Carpenter movie. And I do mean every movie. We've, we're on our way. But there's other directors that we want to do that with, too. David Lynch. Yes. Brian De Palma. Uh, he's on the list. You know, the Coen brothers. Absolutely. Larry Cohen. <laughs> William well, Lustig. Uh, yeah. You know, on. a lot of these guys yeah. are our guys. And one of those is David Cronenberg. Big time. Also, though... We're dummies. <laughs> and so instead of just following our urges, we'll think of uh, one of these favorites and like, oh, we should do one of the big ones. Well, we should do a Carpenter. We should do a Lynch. Those are always milestones for me. Yeah, yeah. Because those guys are responsible for so many of my favorite movies. But we've decided when, when we have decided <laughs> to go all in, yeah. it doesn't really matter which movie from that director's canon yeah. we choose. We're we, going to do all of them. We're going to do all of them. And I don't see a need to pick a set order of those that almost seems like you're picking your favorites yeah if you're saying well i want to do this one first and eventually we'll get to that one how boring would it be Come to on. save memoirs of an invisible man to the end then you don't want to do it then you're putting it off and that's then it's unfair. like fair a chore yeah see that's the thing this is not a chore no what we're about to do right now is the furthest thing from us having to check we a box got it into our heads <laughs> That every time we got the urge to watch just a director to do a random draw. Mm -hmm. And it's led to us doing all the movies that we wouldn't have normally a totally done. random draw. We every did this time, we did this with the Friday the thirteenth franchise was, too. We did it with Friday the thirteenth with all of the movies because we had only done the first Friday the thirteenth. Yep. We wanted to get another one in there. Which is why we talked about Jason X because Jason that X was the one that got was drawn. The one that got drawn, and let me That's tell how you, it happened. I loved it. I don't regret it. I loved it so much. I had never seen it. I didn't see it in its original run. I love Jason X. It is easily one of my five favorite Friday the Thirteenth. Guys, if you're one of those people who doesn't know what movie to watch tonight, put all the names of those <laughs> movies in a box, and the last one that you draw out is the movie, and you're gonna love it. It's freedom, baby. It's kind of this weird. Yeah, it's like this. It's this it, controlled random power. You know what it is, Eric? What is it? It's a dangerous method. Oh, my God. This method oh that we God. have taken on to choose the movies he that we the, the titular in there. Yeah. I did it. We, <laughs> David Cronenberg is maybe as high as one of my three favorite movie directors. Top tier. My 100%. God. 100%. I love what this guy puts on the screen. It's... Kind of changes your perspective of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I love his ideas. I love his execution. I love him as an actor. Just right. a big Cronenberg Just him guy. as a presence. And you feel exactly the same. 
And we celebrate yeah. the man's entire catalog. We've it's one of the guys you've seen almost every movie he's made. And uh he's just the king. But when you think about all these episodes we've done, we've had what? Have we done more than one? Have we done two Cronenberg episodes? I thought we had done one. more. I thought so if I, I were to we guess, had... have we done three? No, I thought we had done at least two, but the only one that I saw in the episode list that we've done so far is The Brood. And that was one. a long time ago, right? That was quite a while ago. <laughs> that was yeah. like two years ago. I don't know how we've gone this long without doing it. You had, but you had the itch. Oh. You just finally had enough and you <laughs> wanted the Berg. Like, God damn it. We need that Cronenberg. But we're such idiots. We're like, let's leave it to chance. <laughs> Let the box decide. Let the box decide. So, yeah, we Will put all those names in there, minus the brood. Yeah, minus the brood, the one we've done. And I just knew it would be one that would be difficult to talk about. And the one that I wouldn't have chosen, but I'm really glad that it got chosen. Absolutely. Uh, a Dangerous Method was a movie I saw when it came out, like a decade yes. ago. Yes, came out in, actually, yeah, 10 years ago, 2011. Yeah. The only Cronenberg movies that I haven't seen are the rest of his 2010s work. I haven't seen Cosmopolis. I haven't seen anything past A Dangerous Method. Yeah. Um, Everything else before that, I've seen all of it, usually more than once. And so this is the first time I'm really kind of stepping into my my less familiar Cronenberg era. The modern Cronenberg. Modern Cronenberg. Yeah, that's my blind spot. It's it's a very different uh, beast. Um, yeah. Cronenberg in his later years, I've seen Cosmopolis. I've not seen all of uh, Map to the Stars, okay. which is the other feature. But uh, Cosmopolis was very much like philosophy discussions. So obviously, this was the throughout the point. film. This was stepping into yeah, and that's that what this stage. is. Yeah, and and this is very famous philosophers uh, talking about philosophy right. with your Sigmund Freud and your. Carl, Carl Jung. Jung and <laughs> Jung. <laughs> That's how Freud gets under his skin, man. Cronenberg doesn't show that, but you knew he dropped a couple of Jung. It just gets it's that little ooh, it's that little yeah. needle. But uh, but yeah, this is very much a movie about uh people philosophizing and and then t- getting into scientific methods and dangerous psychology sometimes dangerous they don't explicitly ever call any of the methods dangerous this was based but on it's a, on their mind this was you based on a book called a most dangerous method and i like oh, really? how Cronen- the most, was the most dangerous method but cronenberg mm. was like i don't want to risk sounding hyperbolic yeah we don't know i don't want to just come out saying i'm the penultimate method i'm the man i'm the most dangerous so it's just no 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 let's just leave it at dangerous well you know it's it, risky it a was a risky method it was based on that book but i saw it was also based on a play i mean this movie really makes sense as a play yeah and but the it play, really the play was called the talking cure which i think is much more descriptive of what this movie is so, <laughs> here's the thing about would... <laughs> a, mo- a dangerous method i really liked it even though we had talked before i think what brought it up was Dead Ringers. You'd been getting the itch to do something like Dead Ringers. Yeah, yeah. And then we realized we haven't done stuff like Videodrome or Rabid. I thought we had done Scanners. We've not done Scanners. I thought we had done Existence. Existence. I would have sworn we'd done Existence. I still think it must be one of those where we <laughs> like... It, it must have gotten accidentally erased. We've we, had we, one or, or two Or we of labeled those. it incorrectly. There's like a rogue episode out there. It's but, somewhere. Man. It's going to be eventual a lost episode. And, but. of course, the movie that's a total mindfuck is, like, 
fucking with my mind right now. Like, did we record that? Was that uh, some dream or video game that I played? I would have sworn we recorded Existence. I'm so glad I'm not alone in this. It's crazy. I remember talking about this. How would we not have recorded a stupid conversation <laughs> about a movie like that? But we're here today. But a dangerous... So I'm actually really glad this one came up because I wouldn't have picked it anywhere near... Totally. The, to be our second Cronenberg one. And... Uh, I like the organic randomness of that. Yeah, exactly. If we're going to do them all anyway, and this really feels like a cool gateway. Like you said, it feels like a new era, especially since he really delves into more of the philosophical. Now, at the same time, it's just like later era Lynch, Mm -hmm. which is a little more difficult sometimes. You know, the straight story. Uh, I love Mulholland Drive. It's my favorite of the 2000s. But there's people that had very confusing, difficult problems with it. And then that only got worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You like the confusion of Mulholland Drive? Let me give you three hours of that on, like, digital <laughs> handheld camera. Yeah. Yeah, Inland Empire is... Inland Empire is tough. One of the toughest. Uh, but this is but a this t- is, But this, this is a Cronenberg movie, yeah. just like those were Lynch movies, even though they felt, like, different. You know, yeah. straight stories G-rated, but there were scenes and there were interactions that just felt like... Well, yeah, this, could, he's making a David Lynch movie. I could see this being almost more of that straight straight story vibe. Yeah. Because this is one of the more kind of straightforward films in the Cronenberg oeuvre. Well, he loves making movies about people who push their brains and bodies to new things. Right. Uh, oh, Oliver that, oh. Reed in The Brood is you know, helping a woman manifest goblin children to work out her anxieties <laughs> very much yes yeah, this is the, the there. future psychoanalysis in this 1970s world that might be the deep future we don't know <laughs> that's in a log rustic cabin and oliver reed's got this thing that can't happen in real life but then jeff goldblum in the fly he's pushing science to this futuristic point that we haven't gotten to mm-hmm. yet but then naked lunch which is all you know, expanding this brain <laughs> with psychedelics and uh, existence, which I know we talked about. I <laughs> know we talked about saying we talked about. I have talked at length about those butthole controller ports. I know. In our, I know I didn't imagine that conversation. It's out there, man. Existence is out there. It's way out there, man. And so. Then Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons in Dead Ringers, yeah, <laughs> expanding. You know. Human medical experimentation science. in medical science. So this is very Cronenberg, but this is the most like surreal Oscar prestige pick yes. version of that. It, it's uh yeah, it's the version of all of that that doesn't have the actual body penetration dysmorphia right. going on. This is a much it's all in their production, but it's still got Kira Knightley having to do this like bucking bronco contortion facial contortion yeah well uh, it still has a lot of uh, a little bit of snm it's still got very a little much it's, yeah it's still but it's uh yeah i don't know for some reason it feels classier i don't it know i think the, it's the time it's like the period piece it's really the kind of thing that that feels like uh the closest cronenberg's come to doing a merchant ivory movie yeah I actually thought this was Oscar nominated. I didn't see any was Oscar not. noms. It, it, Some, it, a couple Golden Globes, but or was, one Golden Globe, but it was and was not well received. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into Kira Knightley a bit, but 
I really loved the uh, the kind of romantic feel of the movie. It really yeah. did feel like something that would play as part of masterpiece theater. It's gorgeous, actually, to look at. Uh, there was... Like, the costuming, the set pieces, even though it was obviously a lot of it was green screen, um, he made the use of a, oh, a was, small budget. Was there a lot of green screen? A lot of the close-ups, I think, were green screen. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I don't think I actually knew that. But, but so I'm a kid who we didn't, I think we've talked about this before, I didn't have, we didn't have cable growing mm-hmm. up. We had an antenna, and we got like seven channels. And so it was all like the normal Fox, NBC, CBS. We got a couple of PBS stations. And PBS would right. show a lot of Merchant Ivory type things. We watched, My parents watched Masterpiece Theater, so I grew up on that stuff. And they showed the movie uh, A Room with a View. Sure. Ismail Merchant one from the mid-80s. They Helen, showed that Helena just... Helena Bonham Carter. Right, right. In that one. Uh, Julian Sands. Ooh. Julian Sands on PBS. But there's a scene in that movie with... With male frontal nudity. Oh, yeah. But so it's fun. Sp- yeah, but it's like, flaccid. still, that's, this didn't <laughs> Guys, feel... Guys, we watched s- it. <laughs> this could this, uh, A Dangerous Method could have felt so much more overt, mm-hmm. but it did feel classier. It did feel more prestige. But it... It felt restrained in its, itself, too. It's, yeah, it's and very Cronenberg a- is a guy that will push oh, yeah. visual limits. So even giving you presentations of things that you feel are kind of disgusting... But they're technically not disgusting. The kind of guy that must drive the MPAA just like crazy. Oh, sure. Like a sensor board when they're watching that Existence scene with the controller ports and having to lube up the ports before you put it in. The sensor <laughs> right, board right. is just sitting there just like, okay, there's this is not. You're getting one over on us yeah. right now. This is it's Hold the mo- on. It is the most sexual explicit visuals you've ever seen on a big screen which we have third row <laughs> seeing it close up and there's nothing they can do about it Cronenberg yeah. did not Cronenberg <laughs> did not go to that level here it's this Oscar prestige pick but at the same time kind of forgot to put the shitty prestige stuff there hmm. this is not the imitation game where you see the dumbest Benedict Cumberbatch montages of a special gifted brain that's working at advancing mankind. There's equations flying by him, and he's just like writing a note and like looking in the distance, like, mm hmm, yes. (laughs) Or a beautiful mind where it's just like, yeah, you can see Russell Crowe's uh, frantically writing things. Uh huh. That's the gears working. You know, it's a beautiful mind right there. So the, it's like he leaves all mind. that bullshit out <laughs> and has it's very talky. It's, it's very really talky. confident in its material. Well, it's famous philosophers philosophizing and 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 psychoanalyzing each other. Um uh, but yeah, I thought it was very engaging. It it has great editing and and great uh flow to it for being I just a movie of people really talking. Great. The look was great. Um, I actually saw some of those costumes in person when I saw the Cronenberg exhibit. Are you wearing your shirt? You're wearing a hoodie well, right not, now. You I'm wearing, not wearing no, my Cronenberg You today. didn't wear your Cronenberg shirt? I didn't think to. Uh, that you I, got randomly in, where was it? Uh, it was in, in Europe. It was in Prague. We oh, were on yeah. vacation. Yeah, and, I've been to Prague. And uh, love Prague. That was maybe my favorite Yeah, I've been spot. to Prague. Uh, 
And yeah, the museum had a Cronenberg exhibit, and I remember they had... <laughs> you did not know this until you walked right by it, Oh, it was it, great. Right? Yeah. What a find. It was beautiful. And it had all the... Uh, you know, the instruments from Dead Ringers. Oh, my God. It the had, Geiger uh, It had the display? TV with the gun coming through it from Videodrome. It had the Magwabwa uh, alien from Naked Lunch wow. that he has at the bar. This is crazy. And then it had I the costumes. I don't think I realized it had all of this. It had all that stuff. Something from pretty much every movie. Even wow. uh, production stills from Fast Company. <laughs> and stuff the car from fast yeah. company whoa where, where i'm going fast company what the fuck the little like <laughs> the little yeah the hey, it was in the box. random box it was uh we will cover it did the little like uh, slug alien from shivers <laughs> it was, was just a blob of uh, yeah, gelatin exactly. it was the bathtub from shivers yeah uh <laughs> no it had a ton of stuff like that and it had suits and and dresses so costumes cool. Place it's there. amazing seeing that stuff up close and in person. Yeah. I loved the uh it was really I loved nice. the fashion in this movie. This movie right from the beginning really felt more like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I could see that. It felt really strongly like that in the best way because it still had the the weird and the kind of Right. Kieran is kind of doing Joaquin Phoenix from The Master. <laughs> it's right. Pretty I mean, much. that's not a crazy connection, no, right? I'm, that's I, I I love I the master, and that. this is kind of a different side of that. That same. Let me tell you. First off, <laughs> where this where I know this movie ex- succeeds, yeah, is that I resent movies that are smarter than I am. <laughs> I'm insulted that I don't understand some movies. How dare you? Man, there's one moment in this movie where they start talking about the ego and the id and stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> I can't remember yeah. which is which. Don't I, ask Don't ask me to know what the ego is. I'm no <laughs> but, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> but I know when I'm being outsmarted, and I don't like it. I don't need a movie looking down its nose at me. God damn it. So when I start realizing, like, I don't know if I am understanding a conversation. <laughs> It never hit the point where I was like, this movie's just being inaccessible to show off. I understand like, that. I yeah. was very into it, even when I was in danger of like, oh no. I, I always feel like Homer. Like I'm the guy just standing on the edge of a conversation. It's like, you better do something. You better react somehow. They're going to wait for a reaction. Like I have not. After it got established that Freud and Jung were talking for 13 hours, I was like, <laughs> oh man <laughs> like i'm uh they're losing you, me a little you jumped up and yelled you you're not gonna stop me from going <laughs> to clown college <laughs> <laughs> but i did not resent this movie no i'm not no. that i'm not that insecure it was no yeah it's uh it's the kieran it's very talky but it is very accessible you you get what they're going for i here. think this means that i'm not i'm becoming less of a of a brazen, rude misogynist. Maybe. Only because <laughs> I remember, I've only seen this movie once before, uh, when it, around when it came out, and I really was excited for another Vigo Cronenberg. Yeah, movie. this is the, I'm a, I, the third Vigo Cronenberg. I love Eastern Promises and especially History of Violence. Yeah. So stoked to do both of those. And so I was really cool. excited for the new Vigo. I also really loved uh, Vincent Cassell. Who was in Eastern Promises yes. as well? Oh, Excited man. to see he was going to be in it. This is a he's a returning uh, podcast character. He was in Underwater. 
Oh my god. He was. He was the like captain. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah, I forgot we, did we had covered episode. Uh, <laughs> forgot we had covered <laughs> It's now I didn't realize we were in a foot race in Cassells. Oh. It's going to be a Seymour Vincent duel. Oh no. Yeah. The Cassell duo. The Cassell off. And <laughs> So I was really and, excited for, and, and I was really discovering Michael Fassbender as an actor. Sure. I finally started, I was aware of who he was at that point. And this is before him. the X-Men stuff, probably? Right around the same time. Okay. Like, maybe even same year. But I had seen a, a movie called Fish Tank, uh, mm. where he's a, a married man keeping up a a secret family. Hmm. And and I'd seen Shame, which is him as a sex addict. And here's him yeah. as uh, Jung with a repressed desire to to be a non-monogamist no. a guy with the yeah a guy with mistresses and, uh, <laughs> and, the, and the, hates himself for it and the, the is shortening his mentioned spanker old. yeah and really uh, typecasting yourself there fastbender the first three fastbender movies i saw were really him uh well he would have been in uh inglorious bastards by this point too right uh, true true yeah, true, yeah. true but this is like when that actor uh now that I've seen eight different Jeremy Davies movies as a guy like <laughs> obsessed with having sex with his mom, it's like, okay, eight times, eight yeah, yeah. times. There's on, no man. way. Well, it's, you it's know, you're where, signing up for this. Yeah. Your agent's like, he's good in the <laughs> sex mom uh, role. <laughs> I get nine sex mom roles coming in a week. Got to give Jerry Jeremy Davies one. is just cashing them like Freudian complexes. Well, that's what Fassbender's doing. Right. He's like, yeah, give me the weird sex stuff, and I can also be Magneto. Yeah, well, you know, because Fassbender is just, that's a cool way to start out your career. I've loved that first three years of knowing who Fassbender was more than I've enjoyed the last decade of Fassbender stuff. Right, right. really feels like one of those guys who the first time you see him, you're like, I'm going to be into this guy's stuff forever. And then he plays Steve Jobs, and you're like, <laughs> not forever. Every, then the <laughs> decade goes by, and you're like, I have not seen a Fassbender movie since. I don't know what happened, man, but uh, I didn't. He did like five X-Men <laughs> yeah. movies. Like, how many of those things are they going to make? Can you go back to being a vague sex pest? <laughs> Please. I enjoyed the like kind of British pervert character. It's you were so weird. Perfecting. That like, because <laughs> then when Shane ca- Shame came out and it was kind of revealed that, uh, that Fassbender's like, oh man, and this guy's got like a cool dick. <laughs> He's like a cool dick guy. Because it was like, the fir- when you saw Bad Lieutenant. He's in shape. You've been seeing uh, Harvey Keitel for years. Ugh. And then you're just like, man, Dad, Harvey Keitel's probably got a cool dick. No. Right? No. And then you- and now after the fourth movie where you're like, man, why are we seeing Harvey Keitel's dick? He's and got so- dad dick. <laughs> so <laughs> Fassbender starts his career off as like a guy with cool dick. And then Swinging. He- then he takes the risky step of 12 years a slave. Which oh, is yeah. one of those oh, queer yeah. roles that'll get a claim, but is just like that's a rough watch. It's tough when Him you're like yeah. finest. You know, oh yeah, no, I got a supporting actor nomination for the movie where I was a child molester. It's like, yeah, it's you always have that every time. Then when you die, it's like Academy Award <laughs> nominated for his right. role as unrepentant child molester. Well, and that's the problem. If you're Jackie Earl Haley and mm-hmm. you get that role, now you got to be Freddy Krueger, the yeah. child molester. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. That's the role you're going to get you offered dance now. dance with who brung you. 
And so Fassbender's like, I got to get away from cool dick image, and I just got to go full unabashed slave whipping. Mm. And then a dozen X-Men movies. So he really just career. like hit a spot where I was like, maybe I'll catch back up in a decade. So, <laughs> Well, he's the star of this one. This is his I don't know. story. For me, so that's how I remembered it. I yeah, remembered yeah. like, I love this Michael Fassbender. Vigo is my guy. Like, all my guys were Aragorn. delivering. Yeah. Loving it. And this time was all about Kira Knightley for me. Mm. I don't think I gave Kira Knightley enough credit the first time I saw it a decade ago. Uh, it's very tough to play a hysteric who gets slowly reformed. Man, this is a difficult role for her to play. It could have gone very... I bet part of you was thinking, is it, did Eric trick me into a motherless Brooklyn no, situation? No. I remember before... Because this is the first time I've seen this movie, right? Okay. Uh, and before we were watching it, you were like, I love Fassbender, love Vigo. Keira Knightley makes a lot of interesting faces. <laughs> That's all I knew. I didn't know. That's, that was and my I was like, summation. I was like, okay, I guess she's kind of a unique looking person a weird comment to say but uh two minutes into this movie <laughs> she is making interesting faces yeah. like i like wasn't really either. really interesting faces and you I saw was, the full and extension I was just, of underbite i kind of side-eyed you just like this motherfucker <laughs> i did not notice that side eye but i didn't short faces, sell it well the faces were interesting it's like yeah it's the it's the hard it's the uh the I am Sam thing. It's like she <laughs> no, had to go. That, no, no, how no, 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 dare you? It's a difficult role to have to go I full hysteric. <laughs> to have to, you never go full hysteric. It's very tough. And she went like medieval, or you know, <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. It takes place in like 1900, but yeah, man, it's, it's very it's, tough uh, to commit full such body a role. performance. When I think of being full body an actor. And I think of how cool it would be to be an actor. The kind of roles I'm thinking of <laughs> yes. are like how cool it would be to be Bronson. You know, like, oh, what if you're getting Bronson roles and all you do is just like wear cool leather jackets and boot cut jeans and make yeah. four million for it? Oh, that'd be so cool. But then to think, okay, maybe I'll uh, take up the dialect of a culture from the early 1900s speak in an accent that I'm not totally oh, yeah. familiar with and make the most impossible facial contortions. This this is such a tough role, and I don't know why I was... Uh, it's not like I was down on it. I just don't know why I didn't remember it as the total star hmm. of the show. She's not a person I think of when I think of the actresses who really... Well, that's probably what happened. I mean, yeah, at that time, and even now, it's like the... Pirates from the Caribbean <laughs> girl, right? Like, that's what I know her from. I don't know her you to know, be I've a seen, serious I've actress. I've seen Atonement, Pride and Prejudice. She's usually that kind. I guess of, I've uh, not seen that yeah, as much. I like Kira Knightley, um, but I don't... Oh, no, I, I but really I, liked her in this. I, but this was a movie where I'm not sure why I didn't pay more attention. I didn't know why it didn't cement itself with me and make her more memorable. It's a, it's when a I think lot, of actresses I It's like. a lot right off the top, though. Like, right in the first five minutes, we are getting her basically spastic... It's uh, tough. It's almost like physical Tourette's. Uh, she's got this thing going where she is convulsing, essentially. She's convulsing. Having, a, she's having kind of she's a like, sitting up seizure for most of the a, scene. She's seizing. She's touching herself a lot. 
That's yeah. a tough thing to get like thrown right in your face. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah, <laughs> fifteen minutes into the movie, we we are having some therapy with her, and she really just lets it all out. Like, Dad spanked me. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, it's a I've sexual thing. I've been chasing thing. that thrill ever since. Like, man, and it has dominated my life. Carl Jung is the best psychoanalyst of all time because he got twenty years worth of analysis out of her in ten minutes. Yeah, it man. was pretty great. It was uh, it was a powerful turn. Yeah, but <laughs> she unloads so much so quick, unpacks so all of it. Yeah. I also I love this movie is much more relatable and approachable for a, a normal layman like me would have expected. When you're going in with a movie that's going to have some hint of history, whether it's historical fiction, this could have been very restrictive material if it actually required knowledge of whatever sure. uh, interfield feuds might have been happening between Freud and you. Yeah, really. <laughs> I don't know anything about their actual personal relationship. There's only so many things that I can have knowledge of. I had to pick and choose a long time ago. I've chosen dumb things. <laughs> but I like that it was more welcoming to get into the the inner workings of a complicated set of relationships. Could have been more, much more difficult. The the to movie crack. right at the end credits had a very interesting like end end. You know, usually it's like this is based on fiction, unrelated. Right. This one was like the film is based on real things, but some of the events, the ones taking place in private, have, <laughs> yeah, have been changed. But yeah, Carl Jung and Freud knew each other. Yeah, uh, they exchanged the letters. They had this father son dynamic that then deteriorated because. Carl Jung is very much was very much more into paranormal type stuff, and Freud was he, very much he into wanted this to expand sex only thing. Jung wanted so they, to expand the thinking yeah. beyond what we understand. He refused to believe that we have understood it all, mm -hmm. even with not so much proof, just only the proof of what's not there. Right, proof is like there's no way we figured it out. There's got to be bigger things we can connect deeper. To humans. But the movie lets you access that by having him not believe in coincidences and kind of bring that thing up. And then having him kind of have this moment of thinking he can predict something's going to happen. And right. So it doesn't have to lay it out like a lecture for you. It, it kind of gives you this glimpse. Into it is a, it's a talking movie that, to things. that while it sounds smart and tough to crack, I don't think it uh, ever fell too far into jargon. I never got lost, right? Like, <laughs> there, like I said, there's one point where, yeah, Keira Knightley as the hysteric woman eventually becomes her own doctor character, mm -hmm. and she has this new other idea that gets presented. When they start getting into re the real id and ego stuff, almost started to lose me. But, but I got back on track the, soon the, enough. That's part of the reason why, when I said this is a Cronenberg movie, because these are the things he pushes Right, right. He's able to push through this he jargon. He just does and, it with graphic gore. <laughs> right. The visual structure is so much more intentionally limited in this one that it really makes you focus on these people and their mm -hmm. inner turmoil because you are not getting his usual visual representations other than her face-making. The face-making... There's making... no uh, prosthetic effects but in you this know, movie. <laughs> I know. I, I thought there was, though, because... Uh, mm -hmm. I actually, especially the first time you see 
Freud, uh, Vigo. Man, I was like, is that a fake nose? Did they There's like some fake noses? Nicole you know, Kidman knows him. It's impressive how far out Knightley is able to make her jaw it's go. It's really intense. It's intense. That it had looks to hurt. like a, a facial, you know, when you see a, I have a face jaw getting that contorted. Yeah, that, that's got to hurt. And she really leans into this physical performance, yeah. which again, so difficult to play because your energy is always at odds with everybody you're acting off of. Right. And, and you're you also to... on a set with 20 other just dudes <laughs> holding mics and, and stuff. And you have to, yeah. It really reminded me of, it, it was just really raging. Mm-hmm. And it really felt so cool. Like, I really love this actress, Isabel Adjani. I think she's beautiful and is so powerful in and intense in these roles, she's in this movie called uh, Possession uh-huh. with Sam Neill, where she is just... Div- An older one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 80, 81, mm-hmm. where she is just falling into madness. And it's kind of a sci- sci-fi-ish movie, but also just a woman screaming more and more and losing it. And Sam Neill, man who can scream. <laughs> Two people going crazy together. <laughs> a scream-off. And it is one of those movies that, off. you know... She gets so into the role that it was like, I couldn't act for another year and a half. That, that kind you of get intensity. exhausted, yeah. Uh, this other movie, The Story of Adele H., where she plays kind of a uh, middle-class peasant girl who excels to almost hmm. almost nobility before uh, kind of going wacko. And so you just get to so see she this unraveling too. of her. Yeah. yeah, it was something she did really well, too well. <laughs> And this, and Knightley has to pull this reverse at Gianni, right. where her most, it's such a jump in. Like you said, you're giving me the side eye because three minutes into this movie, you are seeing this facial, visual body contortion, and it is hard to look at. It is making us uncomfortable. It was like, it, are it, we doing an hour 45 of this, Eric? And, and, and he's, and yeah, exactly, right. This is the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And Young is, is like, let's do the talking therapy where we talk. And I'm like, sedate her. Yeah. Her muscles this are spasming out of control. Down, right? Put the electrodes on the temples and hit the voltage. And <laughs> the way she has to keep tailing that back as she gets more and more cured and yeah. as her. Well, and this movie jumps like two years ahead at a time. We keep moving so at a brisk pace. We don't. She has get to be into... kind of a different state every time. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed that sometimes when you cover a lot of ground, it can feel like we linger in the wrong spots. So I've really fallen in love in more with movies that cover a five day period of a historic event mm-hmm. rather than these biopics, which I hate more and more right. every year. A mo- a recent movie like Jackie covers the mm-hmm. immediate days before and right after the assassination of Kennedy, which uh, we've been into recently, which what our Vengeance is Mine <laughs> episode that we just watched also is uh, been, right around the same we've era. We've been into the Kennedy been into assassination. into the Kennedy death stuff. Actually, that's, 11, in, that's, that's in Vengeance is Mine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, We're, we keep funny. falling into I'm these. I'm watching the Mad Men right now. Yeah, exactly. But, but Jackie is you know right in these days around it. And it's able to focus and more fine-tune and get you more emotionally involved because you get more real-time, played-out scenes. Right. You get a long talk in the scenes while still able to cover many years. We see these people grow and change and let their different vulnerabilities consume them 
and or conquer them. Hmm. And Cronenberg is at his best when he's making these movies about vulnerabilities, these urges that we can choose to give into or not, and that fear of giving into any urge. And I love how Cronenberg tackles the fact that every person, no matter how smart they are, no matter if they're a brilliant, renowned philosopher and psychoanalyst, everybody has vulnerabilities. Even the men whose job is to cure people's vulnerabilities. And I love how Cronenberg gets into that. The weaknesses of the powerful. The weaknesses of the ones in control who are so good at controlling others the ways they can be controlled. And this is his most classy version of that story. Hmm. And I think it's much better than I gave it credit for when a decade ago. The performances yeah. are still universally strong. I completely underrated Knightley's performance before, but everyone's performance is ju- else's is just as good as I remember it. It's, it's a movie with a lot of the same three people. Not a big mm-hmm. cast. Right. And it really... And it's just, yeah, the, the, the interwovenness of their relationship. And I think probably what happened was, yeah, it was Eastern Promises and History of Violence before this. Two movies with some action. Yeah. You know, with a... a some brief uh, short bursts. Yeah. And, it, of memorable, shocking a, violence. A, a bit more of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, then to suddenly transition to this period piece... Uh huh. Historical drama, like you said, with just a Vienna set, uh, <laughs> Zurich uh, locale. The the really yeah. There's one scene where Knightley kind of slashes Fassbender across the cheek with something. That's really the only violence we get. Short blade, it, and of course the spanking. But uh, <laughs> you know, you it's it's kind of shocking how this movie didn't catch on because of its kink. Mm-hmm. Those kind of movies tend to be memorable within. Uh, you, you you still hear about secretary, sure. Which is, yeah, which is, this made I, me think of that for sure. I didn't remember that much of as much of a vibe as that, but those movies tend to be a little more infamous and well known and well talked about because they're a little more taboo in confronting kink, and this didn't get any of that kind of buzz. Yeah, well, you know, really. it's, it's like the the kink scenes seem very almost out of place with the rest of it because the rest of it is so much like sitting around and talking about yes these emotions Conf- and what to do with them maybe and it's then a- it's like he breaks you know it's like young has this kind of like attitude of we can't do this i'm being duplicitous with my wife yeah and then the very next scene is them doing the thing he said they can't do it it really feels and i'm wondering if maybe it didn't catch on so as that- strongly because it's not 100% encouraging the kink. It's confronting the guilt associated with these things and uh, the difficulty in finding someone to open up about whatever yeah. your deepest urges or, or thoughts or anything are. And so you get a lot of this movie confronting that and discussing it almost dryly, very medically, discussing kink. Well, and the, she wants to be spanked because that's what her daddy did to her. Like this is some dark territory. But it feels like on on, on that kind of level. But like, that feels like such a basic, obvious thing, right? And it's not treated as an obvious thing here. Well, it's not it's obvious not to them at the as time, a, right? They're but just it's not uh, just a daddy issues thing. She's a little more fascinating than just somebody like that, even with that as her origin story. 
because she wants to embrace this as a ways of moving on. Mm-hmm. Embrace her trauma and and enjoy her trauma. Well, I think that's very much the kink movement. Yes. I mean, there is a, that's, that's a big part of why Lean people it, do right? this stuff. Yeah. And that is so difficult to do. And that's, that's a, a risk. And I love the way she leaned into it. And it made her such a much more interesting character with ambitions mm-hmm. and lofty goals that she ended up succeeding at and getting cured, whether by something that sounds so simple as the talking cure. How do you, how do we cure this person? I don't know. Just work it out of them by talking to them like they're a normal person ask them yeah ask them hey why do you feel this way and then they tell you well they kept having this ongoing discussion in the movie about how young doesn't want to just tell the patient what's wrong with them but he wants to help them envision themselves as the man they were meant to be or whatever yeah like that seems also pretty basic <laughs> like psychiatry 101 yeah that like, was yeah, like a hundred years ago we help, were like maybe help. we should talk to a Wait, guy so instead of just <laughs> telling the guy he's got aids we should try to cure him of it or you know it's like yeah this idea of like maybe we should also try to i don't know get people to feel better yeah like should we do that as well this is or? really we like, love whoa, to talk whoa, about whoa. oliver reed doing just like just push through yeah just push through it this is really just like confronting things head on and just talking it out and the the more and more cured and the more and more uh normal and societal Kira Knightley guy I thought was a very difficult transition to not do it as as unextreme as she did right and also again with a Russian accent the entire time just on top of everything else and always ready to burst into and I don't know hysterics if it was one at not, any time. Yeah. Even when she was at her best and most successful and functional and a renowned psychoanalyst of her own, she was still able to convey a woman who could lose control. Right. And Someone, uh, well, you got the sense she's it's like fighting very hard it's, it's to control. control the It's ticks. an addiction. Yeah. It's controlled. Yeah. And the way she adjusts like to controlling it and what she wants to accept from a relationship that she's she's able to harness this desire was really well done. Mm-hmm. And this portrayal of how every person handles their desires. We get the very more almost not sociopathic, but quite a uh, performance from Vincent Cassell. He's only in it for a couple of scenes. Yes. But a very uh, important part of the character if this relationship is to be believed with his doctor spending time with Jung this really was the the key to Jung opening up to his demons and really trying to find out if that would work for him mm-hmm. Spread, you know opening up more and ex- and seeing these desires through yeah yeah he's, and how uh... much that affected him mentally because he some people are good at just having affairs well that <laughs> and other people Slip into having an affair and then just spend their life hating themselves and regretting it. And there's a spectrum. And he did a really fascinating job of showing different parts of that spectrum. Of trying to accept it and trying to control it. And trying to believe it's the best thing he could be doing and the most for, best for everybody. And also the guilt associated with it. It's a mm-hmm. tough for performance for Fassbender. And Vigo gets to play this kind of stuck-in-his-ways guy who's almost presiding over everyone. He had some fun with this he did. Freud role. 
And if you were ever look, this is more cigars smoked in a performance oh, than a Burgess Meredith performance or a Fred Williamson performance. Yeah, Vigo had a <laughs> cigar. <laughs> it got bigger every scene too. This guy had the biggest cigars With in his mouth at two all inches times. of ash hanging off the edge. I could have swore we we get introduced to Freud maybe 30, 40 minutes into this movie, and he's got like a cigarillo. Yes, yes. Clearly, just a, a rolled long. Uh, cigar type cigarette kind of looks like a pre-roll yeah. right yeah he's got his pre-roll 40 minutes into <laughs> this movie joint. an hour and a half in this movie he's just got this cigar it's a stogie like a class like he's george burns doing yeah. a doing a bit i've never fred williamson i think has got to be the most cigar performer right that thing was just constantly hanging out of his lip <laughs> But and that this, was the same cigar over a 20-year <laughs> career. <laughs> Vigo had fun with this one, and I loved it. It is such a, it's much more of a low-key performance than his it was, quietly possessed yeah. dark performances in History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Right. Yeah, it was much more casual than I anticipated. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought he was going to take a, a lot of gravitas with this Freud character. But also, so a very quiet performance, but also very alpha. Sure. And I like that Jung's confidence kept getting kind of upstaged privately by his uh, low self-esteem around others he viewed as smarter. That way that he found himself being persuaded and almost Mm -hmm. conned by Cassell and how he was worried about that same thing happening with Freud. Like, is he so smarter than me that he's convincing me to go against my ideas? We've known people like that that are very persuasive. And can try and convince you their way is the right way. I think and I'm I, doing a podcast with one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I love the... Yeah, I love Let how me tell you another reason why my thoughts understated. are the correct understanding of this movie. <laughs> no. But it's this understanding... Uh, this understated alpha yes. presence. Big and stick. I And I love the vulnerability right. that Fassbender yeah. can show. Which, again, when I was first seeing this guy, he's a guy who genuinely felt bad about having an affair in fish tank, but was also able to keep it a secret and control these two parts of his lives up to a point. And then in shame, it's this other guy with this addiction, which he is finding it harder and harder to control and keep up appearances. And he's doing the same thing as Jung in a different way and a differently convincing way. And it's really impressive. This is a great three-movie punch to show what this guy's capable of rather than the dumbest performance in an Alien sequel. Yeah, right. Ugh. Oh, yeah, he did the Alien. He did the uh, Alien. The, the movies. Covenant or and the whatever Prometheus. it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what trash. And he was probably still one of the better parts of those. Maybe. They needed to not chicken movies. out. They had their chance to have some full-on Fassbender on Fassbender lovemaking. In Alien Covenant. Two of those shame dicks swinging around in yeah, one man. shot. They needed to do it. <laughs> and they chickened out and had him do like a kind of like grandma kiss. Oh. It's like, boo, <laughs> boo. I wanted some Leonard Cohen hallelujah lovemaking scene with two fast benders. And this is that. This is what, what could have been. been, man. What could have been. What could have been. We should have been getting all of that. These indulgent Fassbender performances. <laughs> and this was him having a quietly pained performance. One of these things where 
you didn't get the sense any of the actors were trying to take the movie. No upstaging going on. Mm -hmm. Everybody was holding their own with totally different performances. But I don't normally associate Kira Knightley with unhinged in a movie. Yeah, yeah. And she did this version of unhinged where I just kept finding myself more and more compelled by her and her journey and her rehabilitation and her ability to exert control while a couple of the other people are kind of losing their sense of control. I like that little power dynamic shift and got into that way more, even for a movie that felt smart and a little bit tough to get into fully. I like that accessibility and that Mm -hmm. human story and that way it dealt with learning from yourself and learning what to indulge and what to control. That's tough material to convey. And Cronenberg is very good at it in the most colorful and wet <laughs> ways and the most sticky kind of ways. There's a scene early on in this movie where we get just the tiniest glimpse of Cronenberg's ickiness when she's playing with her food. Yeah. And man, that food looks disgusting. That, that way he has of making food that looks, looks like, like not food. Yeah, and it's like a, some maybe crushed up persimmon or something, but it is like it looks gross. like organs. And she looks like she's and, got bugs uh, on her hands. Yeah. I was just he, like, "Oh, crony." He knows what he's doing. Crony. That is the closest You're he gets it. to the stew in existence right. or putting together the gun. And <laughs> goddamn it, I know we talked about putting together this gun at hundred percent happened. I cannot wait till we find you go on a hunt. We're gonna figure for it this out, existence episode, baby. Um, I know it's out there. Uh, I really this is my second time seeing a dangerous method. You're first. Yeah, I can say I'm a way higher vote upon seeing it a second time ten years later. I got way more into it. I really got into these stories and these progressions and these devotions to one's learning even if it drives you crazy and you just keep learning new ways to cope and new ways to think that you can handle it, we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just figuring out how to get from one year to the next. And some of us take uh, interesting philosophical paths, and I like the ones we followed here. It could have been, again, restrictive. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it the way I did the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, first time watching it, it looked amazing like one of the just more eye-pleasing Cronenberg movies I mean Freud's library oh yeah just the just just the look of everything was so good I also before I forget and uh I forgot earlier just wanted to mention the costume designs were by Denise Denise Cronenberg Cronenberg, right his older sister who sadly passed away about a year ago oh wow which is too bad that is too bad. But she did a lot of work on a lot of his She's movies. She's worked with him a lot. Yes. I wanted to make sure we said I her love name. that kind of connection. Yeah. You you get those people like Tarantino working so, with his same Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's cool. I always love that. It that looked always... great. Uh and yeah, the the actors all looked very unique for them for who they were. Uh, you know, I really like, love You've seen Keira Knightley and, and Fassbender and Viggo Mortensen in so many movies and they never look like this in a movie. Fassbender no. with his little glasses, Knightley obviously doing her thing. Vigo, Vigo had it. I, I like his beard. He had a, strong he had a, beard. 
He had a strong fake beard, nose. maybe prosthetic nose. I swear that was a fake. Best nose. Bender's nose looked bigger too because he's wearing these tiny glasses, and everybody has their hair slicked back really close to their yeah. skull, so their facial features look a little bigger. So somehow Cronenberg's still able to make these like gorgeous people look <laughs> kind of weird, <laughs> kind of different, kind of just off a little bit. Yeah, such a well, Knightley such has a little such touch a beautiful transformation. I think she's very pretty and. I'm one of my pet peeves in movies and TV now is perfect teeth. Everybody sure. has these gorgeous, strong set of bright white chompers and these perfectly capped teeth. Porcelain. Even eight year olds have these perfect adult teeth, and I hate it. I hate it. We watch these 70s movies where people have comb overs and hair right. pieces and bad teeth. Somebody's just got a dead tooth in a scene. And, yeah. yeah. Like, what? Give me that. Give me that color. And Kira Knightley's got just normal teeth. She's got a person's teeth. You know, she doesn't have bad teeth. She's got a little little bit of an underbite that I wonder, she I wonder enhances. If she still has them. I wonder if she still has the little teeth. I hope teeth. she does, man. I hope she does it. I and love Lauren. I love seeing Lauren Hutton's tooth gap. Sure. You know, I, it's weird when they have to clean them up for certain movies, for certain roles. So I like her just looking. These these are beautiful people looking like real people mm-hmm. while still wearing these gorgeous, ornate period costumes. And that special Cronenberg way where if this is all Denise Cronenberg, where he has that way of taking normal clothing and changing it slightly. The high cut pants on Fassbender with his tight vest combo. Mm-hmm. Very cool high pant vest look. It's tough to pull off a cool vest. Joseph Gordon Levitt can pull off a, a cool vest. <laughs> John Polito, in different ways, can pull off a vest, you know, but vest is tough. And it wasn't like normal cuts that we're used to seeing. Yeah. Keira Knightley had these beautiful lace uh, dresses all done up to the neck and these almost bodices. Yeah, but I don't there's something if... a little Geiger about the bodices. Very much. There's just something a little like weird curvature. Uh huh. That you, yeah, you don't something see every slightly time. Slightly alien. Yeah, I in loved a, also in a good the. Way. Uh, I loved the contraption that you see in the beginning, uh, where he's psychoanalyzing his wife. Yeah, and Keira Knightley's following a line or or a On light, a, gra- a graphing uh, that is autograph. That yeah, it, yeah. It was just such a brilliant little like whoa, cool. Cool little it's, it's very similar to a less imposing Dead Ringers set of tools. That's what I was saying. Or, yeah, or, or the mind. Videodrome gun or any of these things where it is more of a almost, you know, this modern technology uh, for the 1900s. Yeah, this, exactly. This steampunk kind of contraption, which he dips into an existence too. Sure. Does that same thing, that primitive modern technology. Something incredibly groundbreaking put together with just, like, old bones. You know? (laughs) It's this cool look, and it adds a little bit of that surreality to some historical Mm -hmm. fact. I really loved it. This was one that if there's, I don't know how many Cronenberg movies exist, 20, probably. If we were ordering number of favorites and ones I wanted to talk about from greatest to least... Dangerous Method probably would have been bottom five, but we did our random draw, and I couldn't be happier that we hit this movie up. Not in a glad we got it out of a way, but glad right. I found a reason to revisit it. 
Exactly. And, I'm glad I got a reason to finally watch it. Yeah. As, as a fan of Cronenberg, who's seen, yeah, at least a dozen of these. Right. You know, glad to add it to the list. This is a great one to go back. If you haven't tried it, the odds are you've checked out Videodrome more recently than you've checked out A Dangerous Method. Right. Give yourself an excuse to dig deep and dive into Cronenberg 104. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you'll like what you find there. It's different, but it's the same guy presenting his thoughts on humanity and how we can connect as humans in a different setting. And it's it's cool. I, yeah. I'm really excited to get into the ones I haven't seen still. Cosmopolis. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to dive in and find these touchstones that, that I love so much in his his earlier work it's great i love this guy so oh, we love you this. david it did come to this i'm glad we dove back into this we'll do more of these uh, heavy hitter names we got to get back into our bread and butter absolutely i'd love to know uh, yeah what what you guys uh who what directors what what heavy hitters you think we should be yeah who should we be targeting yeah for sure uh, we follow our whims a lot that's how we've we've kind of been doing this hand to mouth you know we follow the whims but we're also open to other... I'm open to Yeah, rooms, I love getting you know? pushed directions. Yeah, yeah. I love getting on tangents, and uh, I love covering Dangerous Method. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so glad I got to jump back into this one, but check it out. Uh, you'll come out of it feeling differently about a few people. I think uh, so. Everybody... That's a good way to put it. ...deserves to use this one as a strong reference point on their resume, and it's not a movie that's really talked about anymore. It's not as popular to talk about the last decade of Cronenberg mm-hmm, <laughs> as it is to start talk about the first decade of Cronenberg. Well, that's why we're here. That's why we're here, baby. <laughs> uh, it came to this. It did. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Good night. <laughs>